If you're enjoying Pigotin Podcast, then why not sign up to our Patreon? You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Pigotted, and on there you get loads of extra benefits, such as early access to episodes, you get access to Pigotted Extra, which is extra content from our guests, usually about 45 minutes to an hour long of extra content every single week, you get merchandise, you get to ask questions, you get to be part of our Discord community. We have a Discord server where people chat and ask questions and discuss discuss topics that have been brought up on the podcast you get all that through patreon and it starts from just three pounds a month plus you'll be supporting the podcast you'll be helping the podcast to grow helping us to fund bigger and better guests and to pay for all the editing and that kind of thing so please if you are enjoying pigoted then think about signing up and becoming a patreon from just three pounds a month over at patreon.com forward slash pigoted Welcome to Picketed Podcast. Joining me today is the one and only Dr. James Crossland. Hello. Hello. James, just as we get started, what is your area of expertise? I am a historian of conflict, propaganda, I dabble in intelligence, history, and right now I'm writing a book about the origins of terrorism in the 19th century. Fucking love it. Already this is going to be a great show. And joining us as our comedian is fucking nobody yet again because we've been track and traced again. This is the second time that this has happened in five episodes. So either I am ridiculously unlucky or COVID is being used as a convenient excuse or a bit of both. Have you, before we get started, have you ever used COVID uh, track and trace being bleeped as an excuse to get out of something you don't want to do. I haven't, and I'm probably in the minority for doing that. Have you not? No, I haven't. I, I used haven't, it haven't yesterday. <laughs> I used it yesterday as an excuse. Well, this is not, karma, isn't it? <laughs> this is for every time you use it as an excuse, someone it uses it as that's, an excuse that's it. against you. It goes you. round and round, and that's how the universe rectifies yeah, itself. How it does. Do you know what I did? It was um, uh, so I'm buying a house at the moment. And it is a fucking nightmare mm-hmm. uh, because everywhere that is even remotely decent gets bought up yep. straight away. Yep. So went to see somewhere last Wednesday and it was a nice place. It was right at the top end of our budget, but it, it was really, really nice. Um, and I asked, you know, at the end, I was like, have you had any offers? And they said, yeah, they said, look, it's been on the market since yesterday. We had three of offers yesterday. And the people who are gonna who, who are coming to see it after you have already put an offer in and they haven't even seen it. I was like, fuck, that's that's literally where you're at at the moment. So we put an offer in, we don't expect to hear anything, that's the end of that. But what happens is you go home and you get desperate because you go, shit, we need to live somewhere. So y- y- you start lowering your standards considerably. Now, at the moment, there are there's a lot of people buying properties, but there's also quite a lot of a certain type of property that is on the market. And that, that certain type of property is old woman's house. Because <laughs> say what you want about COVID, mm. it, has, it, it has wiped off a certain generation of householders. Um, so there's a lot of old ladies' houses. And you start to look at them, and the way that your brain goes is you start to go, yeah, we could do that room up. Mm. We could do mm-hmm. that up. We mm-hmm. could do that up. I am not a DIY person. I can put up a shelf, I can put up a telly, I can put up some curtains and stuff. I can't fucking... You're going to become one. You're going to have to. Well, this is it. I can't, I can't, I just can't do like 
fit a kitchen. It just it just doesn't. Well, that's work. a bit much. But you can st- you can strip you know old person wallpaper off the wall. Yeah, you can get one of those. Uh, they're like a, it's like a dehumidifier type thing, you know. It's like a a steamer, and you, you no, not with not with that. If we're talking about old people wallpaper, that stuff is like an inch thick. You need to, you need to get in there with the, <laughs> so the, the scraper, the historian of wallpaper. Yeah, it's, it's no, it's it's yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, because because <laughs> back in the day, they did things to last. Yeah, didn't they? yeah, like and to hide sins. Because that's the other thing. When you when you t- if you take that wallpaper off, you find. I know someone bought a house. Um, it was in Bootle, and um, they when they took the wallpaper off, they found that the, the, oh, the insulation <laughs> was old copies of the Mercury. The really, Mercury. newspaper yeah. insulation, yeah, 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 yeah. mate. Yeah. To be fair, if it's a house in Bootle, it's probably <laughs> fucking structural wallpaper. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, this is, it did it did give them pause for thought. To be honest, when they were looking at it, like, oh God, why is this newspaper here? It'll happen. Isn't that like a a fire hazard waiting to happen? Oh, it's all all manner of hazards waiting to happen. You know, rats like chewing on on newspaper, mildew, God knows what else. This is what this is what you've got got to look forward to. It's fucking incredible. Just, I, I yeah. mean, yeah. yeah. Well, well, well. This is why <laughs> this is why I cancelled it, right? Because I had a moment of panic where I was like, "Fuck, I need to live somewhere." And then I looked at this house in Shevington, which is sort of near Wigan Way. Um, and it is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. But it's like about 60 grand below uh, what I could realistically afford. And so I had my fucking homes under the hammer moment mm-hmm. where I was like, we could just do this up. We could yep. just knock yep. through this wall yep. here. And then in the cold, hard light of day, two hours before the appointment, I was like, I cannot, I, I can't do any of this. Why am I even fucking viewing this? So I rung up to cancel it, and the estate estate agents have no sort of, like, manners or decorum whatsoever. So the woman's like, why are you cancelling? And in my head, I'm like, it's fuck all to do with you, because I don't want to go. Fuck off. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to explain myself to you, Linda. But instead, I was like, I didn't want to say, look, the reason I'm cancelling is because I'm not good at DIY. (laughs) This house is garbage. So I was like, oh, unfortunately, I've been track and traced. And I felt like such a prick. Yeah, as you say, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it, so it's fine. Yeah, well, there's, <laughs> there's um, comedy clubs at the moment are suffering massively. Um, I've got friends who own comedy clubs, uh, and one of my mates was saying uh, that, especially with the football being on over the weekend and, mm, you know, England doing club, well and yeah. stuff, uh, loads of people have mysteriously been track and traced and want a refund. Yep. So there was a thing, was it last weekend when England played uh, Ukraine? Mm. Um, again, if this is... This is obviously going to come out at a later date. It's people, it wasn't last weekend. At the time of recording, it was last weekend when England played Ukraine. There was uh, a friend of mine got low. He was getting loads of, oh, we've been track and trace. We bought tickets on the Saturday. We've been track and trace. We need to refund. And um, he said, look, as per the terms and conditions on our website, we're not offering refunds, but we will reschedule your tickets. And so the woman went, well, we could do Friday. <laughs> and he was like, liar, fucking liar, lies, cheeky bitch. So you're a, you're a, go over it to it, uh, go over it again for me. You're a historian that is special. You're writing a book at the moment on terrorism. Terrorism in the late 19th century. In that's the, the, that's the, the time when terrorism, as we understand it, uh, develops, basically. Really? So yeah. in my head, terrorism as we understand it, starts with like 
the Iraq war. Like that, that, that's literally, it's like a 20 year, or maybe, I guess if you were born a bit earlier than me, I guess you would look at the maybe troubles. the IRA and yeah. the troubles and stuff like that. So I'm sort of like, maybe, when was the Arndale Centre blown up? Like 94 or something? Yeah. I, I, modern I, stuff. I'd have been like, oh, modern stuff, <laughs> not your bag. But I'd have been like, you know, a child when that happened. So mm. I think of terrorism, I think of like the Iraq war and then on. But you're saying 19th century is when it's... Yeah. 19th century is 18... Well, if, if we're, if we're put to, to go with what you're saying about the IRA, so the first um, Fenian bombing campaign in, in uh, this country happened in the 1880s. Um, really? Yeah, dynamite bombing. At that same time, you've also got anarchists uh, starting to uh, throw bombs in France, uh, in the United States... You've got um, nihilists who are Russians who want to kill the Tsar, um, who do kill the Tsar with the dynamite bomb in 1881. Um, and all this is kind of happening, you know, across a, a number of, na of nations pretty much within the same time period. And they're all, yeah, they're all, they're all kind of using similar, they're all learning off each other, all these people. They're learning ways to create new types of bombs, how to use them. They're learning the effect of terror, being able to, you know, what's the effect of planting a device, blowing it up in a public place? What does that do in terms of public and police responses? The basic uh, mechanics of how terrorism is meant to work. The object not being necessarily to kill people, but to frighten people. Um, and, I mean, to the point of on, on that, the the um, Fenian bombings in the 1880s, most of them were designed to not kill people. They were they were they really? were set they were set off yeah well they 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 used timers a lot of uh, with some of the bombs I mean there were different different stages of it but they used timers in some instances so they could detonate a bomb at three a.m. at outside a you know a barracks or a tube station or whatever else oh so it wasn't like we're gonna try and kill you it's look what we can do we could yeah, kill you if we yes. wanted yeah I mean sometimes I mean there were there were there were other instances where bombs were set off in more public spaces um and, and people were killed and, and injured but by and large the, the 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 actual amount of bloodshed caused by that bombing campaign was pretty minimal but the the terror of it was was massive and that's where this kind of intersects with the the other aspect of this which is the newspaper coverage which is what i've been quite interested in because the newspapers of that era and this is a similar lesson i guess to the to the terrorism one just as terrorism didn't start in the 21st century, nor did fake news, you know, because there was a lot of coverage of terrorist attacks at the time. It was eerily similar to the way in which terrorist attacks are covered today, where there's a lot of speculation, hyperbole, sensationalism. And back in the 19th century, a lot of these terrorist attacks were met with just outright lies in, in the press um, uh, that scared a lot of people and, and inflated the threat of terrorism a lot. Really? Mm. So, I, I mean, I always think with newspapers is, like, going to, like, the COVID pandemic at the moment, mm -hmm. I think that, like, the newspaper, the way the media has acted has been, like, the worst because it's been all about, like, I, I mean, I've always thought, and you're probably going to, as is always the case on this podcast, I have a thought that I think is totally correct and immutable, and an expert goes, that is total bullshit, and I have to rethink my fucking thought system. I've always thought that back in the day, newspapers were designed to spread information, and they were not nearly as sensationalist as they are today. 
Whereas newspapers nowadays, it is literally all about, well, it used to be all about selling newspapers. Now it's all about clicks. It's all about clicks because the more clicks, that's the more money you can get for adverts. And because no fuckers buying print media anymore, Mm -hmm. it has to be all generated Mm -hmm. online. And so the way I see it, especially with COVID, and you've seen it so much, I think, over the past 12 months, is bad news sells way better than good news. So if you say, like, um, oh, guess what? The average age of death for COVID is 82, and the average age of death for normal people is 81. So extra year. Do you know what I mean? Like, Like, that doesn't sell as many papers as, oh, my God, the new... A man... In Switzerland, has just sneezed twice, mm-hmm. and that could be mm-hmm. the new Swiss mm-hmm. variant. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it, 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 it's like because they're so asked about creating clicks to generate advertising revenue. Then all the, the, it's almost like the point of media or, or the point of newspapers has gone out the window now because it's not about disseminating information; it's about creating revenue. Well, they've always been about disseminating information, but to your point about having having to rethink stuff. I media is more regulated now than it has ever been. It was when 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 mass media first started, for I know I agree totally that, you know, media is obviously built around um, you know, what could we sell that's terrible and that people will want to hear. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, obviously yeah. the force that drives the thing. But that has always been the case. Um and back when we're talking about the 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 time the time that I'm I'm looking at, and even even going further back, with the sort of uh, the penny presses and so forth that start developing in the early 1800s, the idea was always to to sort of bring people in with sensationalist stories, and there's a reason why it's it's in this period that we get what's probably what's usually looked at as the first great fake news hoax, really, of 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 the modern era. It occurs in 1835 um, in in New York. There's a um, a uh, newspaper called The Sun, which is pretty pretty well, yeah. Um, <laughs> this one's quite reputable. Um, uh, they, oh, it's they, not yeah, the same Sun. No, no, the New York Sun. The New York Sun. New York Jesus Sun. Christ! And so, and so, y- you you have uh, this newspaper that's been around for a couple of years. American tits on page Scott, three. Well, they, they, here's, here's the other. Well, here's the other thing. <laughs> Some eighteenth-century ankles. The other thing that you. <laughs> The other thing you notice when you when you start looking into newspaper history is how much the names are recycled. You know, the Sun, the Tele, the Telegraph, the Daily, the the whatever. Why is that? I just love the idea, by the way, of like a a woman in like a really long skirt just showing a bit of (laughs) tiny little bit of lower leg. You know, this is Annabelle, (laughs) and she believes that Queen Victoria is the best monarch. Um, But so so this newspaper runs this story. Um, saying that um, we we have we have got information from a, 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 a world renowned astronomer who was real, a fellow called Sir John Herschel. Sir John Herschel sat down at his telescope, which is obviously a fantastic telescope because he's a world renowned astronomer, so he's got the best telescope. And he's told us about what he's seen on the moon. And they run this story, and it's fully illustrated. And there's humans with bat wings. <laughs> there's big lakes. There's like these Greco-Roman temples. There's jungles. There's bison. 
Uh, I think there's like flamingos in there somewhere. There's all and it's all happening on what? the moon. They're all just hanging out on the what moon. What a weird assortment of things. This huge. Also, I love how I love how humans on the moon wasn't quite weird enough for them. They needed so bat, they went, wings. Uh, bat wings. Needed wings. They have bat wings well, as well. You know, and there's flamingos. They, they, there. they weren't. I mean, there weren't any horse and carts on the moon, so they needed to get around by flying. That was the, riding the flamingos pr- through the jungles. Yeah, they weren't that creative. <laughs> they're only, they they only that creative. You're that creative, but they they so they they put out this daft story, fully illustrated, as I say. And they is and the important that you can see that picture of them fully illustrating. Oh yeah, yeah a yeah. moon full of jungles and bat wings and flamingos. Yeah, is there? You can Google that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking you can find it. You brilliant. Can find it. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing that as no, soon as wi- I finish. Widely available. Um, it, any um, any newspaper archive will will have that um picture in it. To be honest, because it's pretty pretty famous. Is it? Yeah, pretty well. That known. sounds amazing. It's it's yeah, it's w- worth looking at. It's, it's it's crazy. It's my next tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, the the thing about it is right. They don't just put out this this silly story. They put it out and they attach this credible expert's name to it, which is a, a classic fake news tactic, which you still get to this day. Um, such and such a reputable person says this, ergo it must be true. Yeah, and. They print this, and most people see it for what it is and go, well, this is obviously rubbish. But the fact that they've mentioned this astronomer Herschel in there does plant a seed of doubt in some people. It's like, well, he's he's a credible, he's a real guy. So and this must be something here. And, I mean, it, it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, obviously, the reason why they did it was for what was the early 1800s equivalent of clicks. You yeah, know, it was to it was but to boost circulation. It's not like as well like now if you do something like that, then it doesn't take much for that celebrity astronomer to tweet. Yes, and go. Yes. I never fucking said this. Yes. The shit all on the moon. Yeah, go live your lives. Tweet. But back then, you had to fucking write a letter with a quill and yep. stamp on the back <laughs> with some wax or something like that, and then send it to the town. Well, he, folk. he eventually he eventually did did say. Um, because he was asked about it quite a bit, he did eventually say, "You know, I don't really like my name being attached to this." But this was this was a relatively new thing, so I don't think people quite knew how to react. Um, in 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 uh, you know, there's there had always been hoaxes. There had always been fake news. If we're talking about fake news as as this idea of putting out a falsified um, information under the guise of it being real, that's as old as the hills. That's as old as human civilization. We've been doing that since. Day dot. Okay, but this idea of it being perpetrated on this scale for for what was clearly a very mercenary sort of financial gain was relatively new, and that's why when when we talk about the sort of history of fake news, this is a a, a key point. This is the first sort of modern instance of fake news as we understand it today. It's the start of the the sort of tabloid philosophy of journalism, where yeah, it doesn't matter if it's garbage, print it, and people will buy it. Yeah, I'm guessing. I mean, was this massively successful? Did loads of people buy this? That we're not really sure, to be honest. And there, there's debate on that. Some, some some people say, yeah, the circulation went up. Others were like, well, it only became famous after the fact. But like, so if you're the very first person to do this, mm-hmm. right? Like, how did your editor sign off on that? A lot of this was to well, hoaxes were not. Hoax letters and hoax stories and things were actually quite popular at this time. There's, a, there's an interesting epilogue to this story, actually, which which emphasizes this point. So Edgar Allan Poe okay. is kicking around at this time. He gets very annoyed about this story because he reckons 
the, the newspaper has pilfered one of his stories. He wrote a story about this man having this fantastic voyage to the moon. He gets there and it's all weird. And oh, he, really? and, yeah, at, at the same time, so, and he said, these, these, they've stolen my idea. They've oh, taken money out of my pocket. on the moon. Yeah, That's yeah. my fucking this is my, this is my jam, yeah. And so he wrote a, a repost hoax um, a couple of years later. Um, that was uh, where he put he put his own sort of fake fake news story out saying that that a man had completed a transatlantic balloon flight in three days. It was like the fabulous balloon adventure, and he did it to kind of get <laughs> back at them and to sort of cash in himself and to sort of prove a point that that <laughs> these newspapers print rubbish. Do you, know what's, do you know what's funny is the balloon one. I'd believe that now. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. For me, I'm like, oh, did he really? Well, the moon thing, I know is bollocks, but the, I've no idea how quickly balloons go. So I'm like, yeah, maybe. Well, at the, I mean, I mean, it's it's at this time, you know, the, the balloon is this, you know, fantastic kind of concept. Uh, and and he's he's leaning into that and presenting. I mean, he he his his story came with like diagrams and sort of, scientific explanations of how this was done I he overselling went, he it. Went, well he went all in to, to to prove that point that if you if you add a, a, a legitimacy to things if you add a veneer of of you know expertise to to this daft story yeah. then people will buy it um and again this is this is how fake news works to this day you if you if you just come out and say something then yeah. whatever um, sadly that does sometimes that is all that's needed sometimes. But for really sophisticated fake news, you always need to have a sort of, it's that, it's that old adage of, you know, the, be, the best lies, uh, the most believable lies are always buried amongst truths. Yeah. So. Isn't it mad how, like, so, you know, we have, like, April Fool's Day. Mm. Every year now on April Fool's Day, every news outlet feels this bizarre urge to print the most fanciful story. And everyone knows it's bollocks. We all go, aha, April the 1st, you know, yeah. fake, didn't get me that time. And you think, well, we have it in us. Do you know what I mean? We have it in us to call bullshit. Yeah. And yet yep. we lose that. Come 12 o'clock, we lose yep. that discerning that, ability. That is, the, that is the one day of the year where, where we're able to just go, oh, yeah we, yeah, we actually understand stuff and we can call call this yeah. out. And yeah. then April the 2nd, we read man's penis 20 foot long. Yep. And we go, oh, yep. really? I'll buy that. Fantastic. Click. Must be me, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's fucking, it's insane, isn't it? It's yeah. absolutely mental. Yeah. It's, it's the psychology of fake news, you know. We, we the the best fake news presents you with stuff that you inherently want to believe that you have, uh, that that speaks to you in a way that that you it shuts down your rational brain basically, and you just go, yeah, I I like that idea, so I'll believe it. And that's when if you've got it, it's about sort of confirmation bias so if you if you believe a particular thing you read it online say and it doesn't matter what the source is you read it and you go well other people feel this way but then if there's an expert who feels that way then you feel really validated yeah and oh yeah and that's where bringing in the 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 expert opinion is so important there's a um there's a quote about magic that i think is so true about like stuff like this as well it's uh to those that believe no explanation is necessary and to those that do not none will suffice yes it's so true that's exactly if it. you see an article that aligns with your view mm -hmm. literally doesn't matter you're like yep. It, yep. it's there yep. it's there. Even, even if even if you know you know in the back of your head this is probably sus don't know what this website is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You just get you just get that that 
sense that oh I, f- I feel good about this because yeah. because you know professor john smith from the university of scarborough well that sounds <laughs> that sounds reputable <laughs> enough for me um, whereas whereas if you don't believe it it doesn't matter how many you know 500 scientists from oxford and yeah, cambridge yeah. what do all, they know have yeah. all said yeah. it well yeah, it's, yeah. they're all in on it together, yeah yeah exactly they're all in on they're it. all that's, in on it well, that's that's the other i mean that's the real sort of the the sort of toxic problem of fake news now is that it because we, we there's myriad fact checking websites right you can go on a snopes or somewhere like that and you can go well and they, and they do really good work in in saying well this this article's garbage but if you're already in that belief system if you already believe that you know you're right and everyone else must be wrong then the fact checkers are in on it as well you know, there's yeah. no one because no one's objective. They, they, these people aren't objective. They're in on it. They're oh, in on yeah. whatever this. You thing know is. who? You know who bankrolls their website? Yeah, exactly. Don't you? It's all. It's all that. It's all that. It's all that. It's a circular problem. Oh, totally. I mean, I I I know a few people. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to call them friends, but I know a few people through comedy who have gone down a real rabbit hole these past fifteen months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great reset, you know all this stuff, and it's it, you can't, you cannot reason with them. You, no. you cannot because they're so entrenched in their own uh, belief system that there's no getting them out of it. Yep. And anytime you show any evidence that is to the contrary, it's so easy for them to just write it off. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for them to just go, nah, that's that's been done by this person who's bankrolled by this person, who's linked to this person. No, I'm not believing it. It's it's a concept that in in fake news is called the big the big lie, right? So it's this idea that if you create a, an alternative reality that's so all-encompassing and, and a truth, a truth that is so believable, then it it cannot be assailed, it cannot be questioned. This is the point in every podcast when there's a historian where we hit that iceberg that's known as Adolf Hitler. Oh, this is Hitler. It's, it's, bound, it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. If you get a story on a podcast, Hitler will turn up at some point. So here's, here's Adolf. And here he is. Here he is. Here he is. A special third guest. So the, the concept of the big lie is something that's often often attributed to Hitler as being the guy who kind of perfects it. Um, and he, back in the, in the 1920s, so before he comes to power, he's talking about how the First World War was lost uh, by Germany, not because of the the military leaders or, or the, the war economy or anything else, it was lost because of the Jews and the socialists. Really, they they they're the ones who who undid Germany from within. That's why we lost, and that's the big lie that kind of underpins the the wider sort of Nazi propaganda that Goebbels then really you know perfects in the in the nineteen thirties. Because from there you can extrapolate bigger lies, which is well. The Jews are the reason why we lost the war. And you know the Jews are still financing, you know, the British government, the American government, the French government. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're behind all of our enemies and they, they are working against Germany. And then if you push that big lie enough, you then get a basis to start maltreating the Jews. Did, did uh, like, the Nazis have fake news then? Oh, yes. So in my head, like, fake news and propaganda are two different things. And when I think of propaganda, I think of like a Second World War poster mm-hmm. of like a woman going shh like that, and it's like you know, don't talk because because Hans might be listening. Yeah, just shh, you know, yeah. something like that. The walls can hear and all this, and it's like really, it's almost cartoony, and it doesn't pretend 
to like like so in my head like if you're like fake news article it it, it never explicitly says mm. this is you know what you know this is the political uh leaning of my article it always leads you to infer it whereas with propaganda it's it's explicitly stated with cartoons and drawings and like in my head that's the difference yeah by by and large that's 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 right by and large propaganda is more overt it's in your face fake news is a bit more subversive have Pro- we stopped using propaganda now because i haven't seen any maybe it's well, just become- pro- i mean propaganda comes in different forms you know it's 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 arguable for example so i think i think there's a there's a way to think about propaganda as something that is is very um it's so all-encompassing at this point that perhaps you don't even see it, you know? Yeah. Um, so it could be something as, as I don't know. I mean, maybe Sorry. when Boris yeah. put that thing on a bus and he said 350 million will go to Yeah. The, maybe that's propaganda. Well, in terms of it's more like the posters that they used to be, even though it got covered by... You're right, there's there's sort of a, a, a hybrid between them now, and you can't really distinguish one from the other. I think perhaps there was there was probably probably another example was that poster that appeared on a lot of tube stations. This was a good couple of years back now, and it was the one of you know um, if you see anything that doesn't look right, which is a way of you know if you if you see a terrorist basically um, <laughs> look out for it. And the picture was you tell know, someone yeah it had a picture of someone who looked sort of dark skinned, looked oh, looked you know they were sort of cast in shadow. They looked they looked like they they could be. Of Arabic descent, and it was stuff like that where you're just like, okay, this is sending me a message. Yeah. It's sending me a very clear message of what what doesn't look right. Yeah, that's that's perhaps where propaganda sits now. In that, it, I mean, it does sort of bleed over into this into this thing where it's it's suggesting things through images. Propaganda isn't always about images, but images play a larger role in that. It's probably worth just kind of because defining fake news is is actually quite difficult and there's there's a sort of debate over how you, how we define fake news what are the limits of it because you're right it does bleed over into propaganda and these things kind of become become um similar to my mind if we're talking about fake news we're talking about misinformation and disinformation so okay. there's two separate things so if if i say to you okay when we when we get out of here this afternoon sky is going to clear up Clouds are going to go. It's going to be beautiful blue sky. It's going to get to twenty-eight degrees. <laughs> Lovely sight. It's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be sp- Spain on the Mersey. What, it's gonna, a, it's, weird, what yeah. a weird thing for you to yeah, say yeah. just as we leave. Yep, yep. It's going to get yeah. to twenty-eight degrees. Yep. I've, I've, got, I've got magic, magic weatherman in my head, and he tells me that this is what's going to happen. So I tell you this, and I'm obviously lying. You know I'm lying. I know. I'd believe but, um, you, genuinely. <laughs> like not even, not even messy, because. I, I have this thing with, like, people who I know that are smarter than me. <laughs> they can pretty much get away with saying fucking anything. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Honestly, if you said it's going to go to 28 degrees, I wouldn't go, you're full of shit. I'd go, well, he knows about weather and things, too. <laughs> like, that's just what I'd infer from that. Well, if I... I'll remember that. Well, if I if I said <laughs> if I said if I said that to you and I just left it at that, I just said, oh, you know, this is what the weather's going to be then that's misinformation. That's me knowingly 
giving you false information that I know is false because I know it's actually going to you know be 15 degrees and bucketing down rain. But, but I'm telling you that as, as a just, just for no apparent reason. Well, here's the thing. That's what would throw me. So the reason that I believe it is because no apparent reason. Ah. But if you were to say to me, it's going to get to 28 degrees later and I'm selling sun cream, would you like some? I would go... That's odd. And that's that's what okay. would twig it for me. That is an example of disinformation. So misinformation is me just telling you something false okay. without any real grand design or purpose. And fake news can take a f that form. It can just be, you know, for the hell of it. So why? What's the reason then? So so, so so what's the what's the point of misinformation? Well, misinformation, if you if you put enough of it out there, you can create a sort of a wider narrative. So if there's if there's enough if there's enough lies that are just put out there, then eventually you cloud people's reality. That's what we've seen, you know, in recent years. Oh, in particular. Totally. you put it you put out enough say if you put out enough relentless misinformation, it kind of reprograms people's I'll brains. I tell you what, I am shitting myself for do you know like deep fakes? Yes. Where they take uh do you know about deep fakes? Deep fakes are when they take a, a video of somebody and they superimpose like a, at the moment they just do it with celebrities, don't mm -hmm. they? They superimpose a celebrity's head and it makes it look like a video of celebrities doing or saying things. But right now, it's really convincing. It's really good. And it's come along leaps and bounds because, I mean, three years ago, it was it was like, oh, yeah, that's obviously, you know, you know the, the queen talking about how much she enjoyed Love Island last night. You know, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it, ain't, it ain't convincing at all. But yeah. the, the, this, the level of sophistication in those has grown exponentially in just a few years and yeah it is terrifying and do you know what it's dead <laughs> funny as well because when they were speaking to um uh like I, I remember watching a video where they were speaking to somebody who made it it was like a company that was specialized in it and they were like yeah well one of the things that we think could be really cool is you know porn and you know like you, you, you know you can have a porn tape of so-and-so but it isn't them and so it's not violating blah 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 and it's like you do know that people are going to use this yeah. for the worst possible. Yeah, they know. Like, <laughs> it's, it's because the thing is, is right now if I see a video of say, uh, let's, I mean, let's take Matt Hancock as an example, who made the news and lost his job because he was caught groping his secretary during a crisis and breaking the rules that he helped to create. Now, right now, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. And everyone goes, off your pop, and he goes, fuck. And that's kind of the last vestiges of accountability mm. in action. In five years' time, he's going to go, deep fake. Yes. And we're all going to go, yes. I don't, uh, there's no way of proving otherwise. Yes. It's going to be, it's, it, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what deep fake is going to be to politicians. It's going to be what I've been tracking traced is to me to estate agents. <laughs> it's, it's the grand excuse. Yes, yeah, yeah, the grand excuse. Well, we've. I mean, we've always seen this. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, Trump has made it iconic. The you know fake news. If I don't like it, it's fake news. That was yeah. that was that was his carrying cry. Now, admittedly, that hasn't been taken up by all politicians. But you you saw during his time in office that there were other politicians, not just in the states but in other parts of the world, who kind of dip their toe into those waters like can i can i does this work this? does this actually work it's like i think he he's i think trump's unique in that for him it can work i don't think it necessarily works with all politicians he's not a politician so 
it works for him. His personality, isn't he? Exactly. It's the same with Boris. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Do you know what's crazy is that we got to a point. Someone said this on Twitter, right? And I, I, I honestly, when I, when I read it, it made sense to me. What we have now with Trump and Boris and that is a direct result of fucking Chico and Wagner and all those fucking nutters that we kept voting in mm. in in X Factor and Britain's Got Talent just because it was funny. It started with them. Oh, it's a bit of a laugh to keep yeah. him in because he's shit. Yeah. And now it's at the, it's oh, same, we'll it's just the same vote principle. Him in, it's shit. the same principle. Yeah. No. They've just right, got massively right. out yeah. of hand. Yeah. But it's... I think these people have they've they've cracked because um, because people like to. They like to paint, especially with Trump and stuff, they like to paint them as, and Boris, as like bumbling idiots. Mm. And I think it's very much the opposite in that I think th- I think they're, they're the smartest people in the room to an extent. Mm-hmm. And I think that they've worked out that the general public only really gives a fuck about something for about 48 hours. Mm. And then what happens is something else happens. So we're not very good as human beings at like proportioning out our outrage so we're not allowed to go, okay, 50% of my outrage goes to this, 20% goes to this, and 30% goes to this. I'm outraged about these three things right now. Yep. We don't do that. What we do is we go 100% of my fury here, yep. and then we, we and, and, and then something else happens. Then we go, oh, this is a new thing. 100% of my fury here, and then that bit gets mm. forgotten about. And so they just have to ride it out till the next thing comes along. Completely, yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's a it's an intricate knowledge of the... Of the news cycle that's what they get more than anything and how how accelerated it's become and how you know attention spans have lowered and the the rate at which we're bombarded with information just increases and increases every single year they understand that they understand how to work that and to go back to kind of what i was saying before about back in the day part of what made the 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 late 19th century this era where you the it felt like there was an onslaught of, of fake news coming through was that you had this explosion in... It, it's it's the era when mass media, as we understand it, develops. Really, from the 1850s onwards, you get um, people being able to print whatever they want. You get you get new advances in printing technology. You get these what's called jobber presses, which are just you know one-man-operated presses. Anyone can print anything. So it's kind of like you know your 19th century equivalent of a of a website, a blog, Facebook yeah. page, you know. I can print whatever I want. I can disseminate it as 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 widely as as it can be passed around. Um newspapers are very cheap. People are becoming more literate. Um there's no real standards on on governing newspapers, no yeah. not not proper ones anyway. Um and so anyone can print anything. And so you, for the first time in history, you've got large populations being assailed with information from all sides countless newspapers and they don't really know where to look similar to what's happening today it's just obviously you know the internet speeds all this up well this is it because it used to be one cycle of press a day didn't Mm -hmm. it like Mm -hmm. one newspaper every day and then that's that's like oh today's newspaper is tomorrow's fish and chip wrapper do you know what i mean like it's a but now the cycle is continuous it never stops so if you're a big website like for example if you're somebody like lad bible who, uh, even though they started out as being like, hey, we're lads, we're just doing laddie things, oh, let's have a shot. Now, they are m- as much of a news website as any of the others, I think. They you know, they put a lot of news stories out there. It's continuous, it's throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And so the news never, it never stops or goes away, 
it's a constant stream. And I do think, like, if you're, you know, talking about the 1850s or whatever and people can just start a newspaper now, right? Let's say you wanted to start a newspaper. You were fucking, you know, Mr. fucking Mirror or whatever, and you're like, oh, I want to start a, a newspaper named after me. <laughs> Mr. Mirror! <laughs> That's how it out. started, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you don't want to uh, make, like, reflective things that people can see the faces in, Mr. Mirror? Nah, mate. Nah, I want to make a tabloid. <laughs> um, so... Um, uh, day one, right? You start off and you've got great, you've got a great story, and you fucking write it, and then you print it, and then it goes off. Day two, you go, all right, okay, I've, I've got another great story. Do do do. Day three, oh fuck, uh, right. Uh, follow up on the first story, great. Okay, mm. day four, shit. Um, oh, just makes me up. Mm. It, like, is that how? Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's a beast that feeds itself because obviously the point of these newspapers is to make money. Yeah. And so if if you if you find that you know nonsense sells, then you'll you'll produce more nonsense more regularly to sell more. It's 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 kind of as simple as that. But what happens out of this process is that you get, and this is why why this is a sort of formative time period for fake news as we understand it today. The more nefarious aspects of it come in. So. The, the moon hoax thing I mentioned, that was just about money. That was just about, you know, getting circulation for the paper. In the 1890s in the United States, you get the growth of what's what became known as yellow journalism, which was basically tabloid journalism. So newspapers that had big sensationalistic headlines that were designed to grab your eye, they talked in really lurid language about, you know, this ghastly murder of this person has happened or you know this this you know body with its you know head and and legs missing has been found you know floating in the hudson or and just you know really graphic sort of stuff to titillate excite get you get you in yeah and they're they're very popular there's an understanding amongst the readership that a lot of this is sensationalistic nonsense but it's entertaining bit like what you're saying about the, the Trump Boris thing, you know. I, they, I know what this is, but it's entertaining, so I'll go with it. But they understood it for what it was. They understood it for what it was. I mean, by and large. But here's the thing about that. Do we ever actually un understand anything? I don't think so. I don't think humans are that bright. So we, 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 can, we can know when we're reading something that, well, this is nonsense. But if we read enough of it, it will reprogram. Yeah. And what happens with yellow journalism, it really... It, it takes this turn for for the worse and, and sort of sets a precedent which we've seen to this day. In 1898, there's a, a, um, a U.S. warship called the, called the Maine. It's uh, moored in uh, Havana Harbor in Cuba, and it, and it blows up. Now, Cuba at the time is a Spanish colonial possession, and yellow newspapers, um, New York World in particular, um, in um, in uh, they've been running these stories. In the, in the years leading up to the main about how the Spanish are these terrible, you know, colonial oppressors, how they torture people and murder people and all this kind of stuff. And then this US warship explodes. And so, and no one quite knows why. And so they kind of fill in the gaps and say, well, well, the, the Navy's saying that it might have been an accident, but we know from our sources uh. that it was a Spanish mine, that it was a bomb, that they attacked us. Yeah. And and they kind of ramp up all this jingoism and everything and else. And America goes to war with Spain in 1898. Whoa, and they, what, and off they, the back of that? 
it's a big part of the reason why. I mean, it's there, there's a there's a wider process there where you know then as now there's a relationship between politics and the media. There are hawks in the U.S. government who who feel that now is the time for America to sort of branch out and become a colonial power, yeah. and then they've got this backing of the media who are riling up the public, all this kind of stuff. They end up going to war with Spain. They get Cuba. They get the Philippines. You know, job done basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and yeah, this this and and you know there was a, there was an, an official inquiry done which which concluded that it was more than likely um, an internal explosion caused by you know uh, uh, the magazine exploding or an accident in the coal room something like that. But it didn't matter because at that point you've already implanted the idea that something more sensational has happened. I I love how even 120 years ago. Mm. They were still using according to our sources. According to our sources, I love how naval long officers on the inside who know what actually yeah. happened have told us. It's and it's it's the same. That that story always reminds me of the sort of armchair explosive experts who emerged after nine eleven, who looked at the footage of the towers coming down and went, "Oh, well, that's that's not a structural collapse caused by a plane hitting it. That's a controlled explosion. It must be. They've they've wired the girders with jet explosion. fuel. Doesn't yeah, melt steel. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's all that. And 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 that's when we've got footage. And that's when we can you know we can actually dissect it. Back then in 1898, no one's seen this explosion, and yet here we here they were sort of suggesting. Well, it must have been a mine, you know, because it, 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 yeah. there was such a such a dearth of knowledge you could fill it with whatever. And the the proprietor of one of these yellow newspapers, a fellow by the name of um, William Randolph Hearst, he really wanted a war and so he he kind of pushed this and was like yeah you know let's we can do this do you not think though that like regardless of how much extra footage you get like with 9 11 stuff where mm. you can literally see it it doesn't really matter because I, I i think what it plays to is that there's this weird human need to think that we understand things in a way that other people don't. Yes. Like, we have this weird need as human beings to be like, oh, well, actually, I figured it out. You know, yes. like, yeah. I'm the right person. doesn't matter that you're in fucking set six at school and you got a fucking E <laughs> in fucking well, science. Well, if anything, that's, that's what's going to make you want to be the guy with the answers later in life. Yeah. Is that thing of, you know, it's it's, well... They, they said I was a mug then, but now yeah. I know the things. Every yeah. so, so here's the thing, right? And I I say this on like every podcast. I don't. I'm I'm not sure if I've said it on film yet, but I say it like off film loads. Every expert that I speak to speaks in the same way. I, I was literally talking to you about this before, wasn't I? Every expert speaks in the same way. They don't. They never use generalized big terms or anything like that and anything that they say comes with about seven caveats mm -hmm. so they never go uh like you know bees produce honey or something like that they'll go bees produce honey well actually it depends what you mean by honey there's a certain <laughs> amount of i mean i guess if you're talking about honey in the terms that we talk about honey sort of supermarket honey maybe that could only be and it's like just you, you, be, yeah. because it's just the way that they are, they self-edit as yeah. they go. You do the same thing. Yeah. I'm sure that you, yeah. you, you know, you they self-edit yeah. because you're so smart. You're questioning yourself as you go. Whereas, whereas thick people go, this is a sentence <laughs> that is completely true. <laughs> There's no no caveats, none. I think it's because I mean, I mean. Because life's complicated, right? So, so you know, there's most things are do have caveats to them. There's always exceptions to rules. It's that stuff. The problem with that stuff is it's boring. 
Oh, yeah, no one yeah, wants yeah. to hear the caveats. They want the, they want the headlines in the yellow newspapers. Yeah, they no, want one, the, you know. no one listens to terms and conditions. No, you know no, I mean? no, God, no. That's why, why gambling adverts yeah. start yeah, yeah, off yeah. and they go, dun, 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 Bet in play. <laughs> Win a million pounds. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> BigGamblerWare.com with the fun stop stop. Yeah. With the fun stop stop. <laughs> and everyone goes, what? what was that? What? <laughs> You Doesn't may lose matter. Bright light, yeah. shiny stuff, money. Yeah. You, you may lose your house. We will <laughs> repossess your children and sell them into child slavery. Yeah, man. I think it's like, I don't know. I look at like the way that fake news is now and I'm kind of surprised that it's been around for as long as you say it's been around and no one's done anything about it. Because in my head... There wasn't as much fake news in 1993 as mm. there is now. And I, it feels mm. like there's been a gap in history from, let's say, after the Second World War till Trump, mm. where I didn't really know what fake news was. Like, if, if fake news has been around since 1835 or whatever, I would have imagined that I would have just grown up with it. And I don't feel like I have. Well... There's a couple of, couple of reasons why. I think proportionally, there's not as much fake news back, back in, say, the 90s as there is now because we didn't have the internet back then and we didn't have, you know, numerous websites and everything else and social media to help disseminate fake news. You had, you know, a set number of TV stations that had a set number of bulletins. You, I mean, there was always tabloids. There was always that stuff. There was always, you know this royal scandal, that royal scandal, our insiders to say this. That's always been there. But that, to me, felt like it was sensationalised. And I think that there's a difference between taking a story and making the very most of it, mm -hmm. which I kind of think that journalists are... I'm not comfortable with it, but I kind of feel like it's what they're allowed to do because I kind of figure it's, you know, that's their job. Whereas flat out making shit up... I feel like that wasn't around, you know, before Trump. Or if it was, then it wasn't around as much. Like, I feel like there was a boom. It was, well, well yeah. I mean, there's definitely been a boom. Um, it's become a sort of self-perpetuating cycle at this point. But there has always been, there has always been a sort of core of, of, um, nonsense reporting and and sort of non-stories that have have worked their way into newspapers sometimes for quite orchestrated and nefarious means and this is where fake news gets a bit more sophisticated than just you know i'm a newspaper proprietor i think that we should have a war with spain you know they killed yeah. they blew up our ship it it moves along and what moves it along in in no small part is actually the the war so during the during the second world war um this, for some reason, these these guys never get enough attention. But but uh, Britain established a, a, a secret propaganda agency called the Political Warfare Executive, top secret group, and their job was to fight fire with fire against Goebbels to sort of so come up with their own propaganda. Come up with their own propaganda. I would have fucking loved that job. It would it. I would have. They loved had some it. characters on their on their roster. They had they had writers, poets, journalists, no, me, a number of alcoholics. Let, um, let uh, me tell you this. If I was in charge there, there'd be tits on everything. <laughs> <laughs> there'd well, be tits on well, fucking this, everything. This, this is this this is kind of what happened, sort of, in a, in a very in a very understated nineteen forties kind of way. Uh, an so, ankle, a leg. So the the guy well one of the 
main guys in in the political warfare executive was one of, I think one of Britain's unsung heroes of the war. He never, he, no one knows who this guy was. He was a journalist called Sefton Delmer. Oh, Sefton Delmer. You've heard of Sefton nope. Delmer. <laughs> no one knows who he is. Damn. He fell straight I was, into I was, re- I was, that was dead good. I, I was, I liked that. Thank you. I liked that. Oh man. I'm so excited for a second there. You really went in with it oh, as well? Yeah, you broke my heart. I broke your heart. Um, I'm so sorry. Some people know. But most people don't. Anyway, so Sefton Delmer. So he was a journalist who, during the 1930s, when uh, when early 1930s, when the Nazis are, ri- are rising to power, Hitler comes to power in 1933. So this is before then, when he's on the campaign trail, as it were. Delmer is a foreign correspondent. He's he's with Hitler and Goebbels when they're going to all these rallies, and he's seeing the diabolical genius of Goebbels. He's seeing how he's orchestrated these rallies so that everyone is hanging on every word Hitler says. Yeah. And Hitler's up there talking about how, you know, if I get in, we're going to have a war. You know, yeah. We're going to have this god-awful war. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to love it. And Delmer says to Hitler one day, he says in, in politer terms, he's basically like, you know, you're this ugly, nasty little man saying ugly, nasty little things. In polite how, terms. Yeah, yeah in, in polite <laughs> terms. <laughs> Reading between the lines, th- this is kind of what he was saying. You know, yeah. how, why do people like you? Why, why is everyone Zeke Heiling? Why, why is everyone into every single word you said? And Hitler comes back at him and he says, "I understand that every person out there in the in the stadium, as an inner Schweinhund, an inner pig dog, they have a darkness in them." Inner Schweinhund, yeah, the oh, inner pig dog. Fuck it, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and he says everyone's got a darkness in them. They've got, you know. Dark thoughts, nasty things, um, uh, avarice, revenge, pettiness. They've got all this stuff in them that they that they know is wrong, but it's in them regardless. And what I do is I make them feel good about it. Do you I know what? share my inner pig dog with them, and they give it back to me. Do you know what? He's fucking onto something there. Oh, yes. So I have a thing, mate. Whenever I see a baby... I have an urge to punch it in the face. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. I have an Aeneas Schweinhund. But in my head, I go... Punching it in the face. Like, like literally, that's a voice that it, comes it into my head. It has to be punched in the face. It There's has no to, other option. It has to be punched in the face. It can't be punched anywhere else. And it has, has to, to be, be in my Is head, in like a pram, and it's like a jab. It's like a puff, fuck off. Like See, that. this is like a comedy bit. No, this is a genuine. No, 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 no. I'm saying I, I'm just visualizing what you're saying. This is this what you were describing sounds like a Python sketch or something. You know, man punches baby in a pram, <laughs> and I'm wondering if that's the deep sort of psychosis here. You're like the the Ministry of know, Silly Walks yeah, and yeah, Baby yeah, Punches. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I have the same thing. So it, it's not as strong, but I have the same urge when I see pregnant women. I go punch them in the stomach, and I I can't help it. It's a little voice that comes into my. <laughs> it's like an intrusive thought that comes into my head. Just. Yeah. No, nobody else get yeah. this. Can't say I do. No. Great. No. Okay. <laughs> I, do, do you not get the thing when you're driving sometimes? Oh, oh no. I mean, I mean, we all get. And we you all go, get. You just know, run you over know, them. Acts cunts. of spontaneous violence against strangers for no apparent reason. Yeah. So not necessarily punching pregnant women in the stomach, though. I can't say I've got. That I mean, I, I feel like it's really important to go on record and say <laughs> I've never done it. <laughs> like I've never, I've never acted upon that urge before. Um, I, but it, it's there, and I'd be like, if it, yeah. you know, when people, so when I used to work at a call center. Right when I was like eighteen, nineteen, it was 
was a call centre of like 500 people. And so there were fucking women having babies every fucking month and bringing them in. <laughs> Baby. Like this. And they'd show it around. And I'd be on the phones as a 19-year-old going, don't fucking show me that baby. Mm. Don't fucking show so this me has that been baby. with you a while, this. Forever. This is, this is a- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't... In my head, there's nothing worse than fucking customer service and having somebody on your headset moaning and then another voice in my other ear going, punch that baby in the face. That's yeah, that, no, that sensory like overload to me. Yeah, and and I worry that, you know, like, because my talking part is opera. I don't want to talk to the wrong voice might, yeah. and go, no, I'm not punching the baby. Sorry, what were you saying about your car insurance? Like, so it was, it was a minefield. This job lasts very long. Uh, honestly, about 18 months, I got sacked. That's pretty, that's, that's, that's pretty good considering that's all going on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mate, I, I, so when Hitler talks about Schneidon, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to link it no, back in. No, no, I'm he's, trying no, to link he's, it that's in. the thing, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, he, he got that fundamental flaw of human psychology and he exploited it. And when the war came, Delmer started working for the political warfare executive. He remembered what Hitler said. And so he, what he did was he set up um, a number of fake news radio stations that were broadcasting from Britain, but they broadcast under the under the guise of being resistance radio in, say, the occupied territories of, of Europe, or perhaps even uh, radio in, in Germany, like a pirate radio station in Germany by anti-Nazis. And they were all, and this was all all made up. And he he came up with one, he, the, the sort of jewel in the crown of these various um, radio stations. There were lots of them. Was uh, one that he ran called Gustav Siegfried Eins or GS1, where he developed this character who was called uh, the Chief, and this was what was this was what was interesting because he had to be anonymous because the character was a really stiffed back conservative German nationalist. He's like an officer in the army who who wants Germany to win the war, wants the Reich to last forever. You know, loves Germany, all this stuff. But and this was the genius of it. He hated the Nazis. Oh, okay. So what Delman did was he created this character who's like, I'm appealing to the inner pig dog of all you people who want Germany to be great and don't mind a war to get there. But you might not necessarily think Hitler's the bee's knees. But you see him as a means to an end. And he created this character to speak to these people. And this guy would engage in 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 the most lurid stuff. He would tell tell stories to it. He would say, you know, the war the war should be going really well, but it's not. This is the, the chief speaking. The war should be going well, but it's not, because the Nazis are, you know, injecting our boys, our brave fighting lads on the front with, you know, infected blood that's got syphilis in it. That they've <laughs> they've taken they've taken the blood from from POWs. <laughs> or, or uh, while our brave fighting lads are on the front, it was always our brave fighting lads on the front, because um, you know that's that's an easy get, you know. Yeah, a little pulls on the heartstrings. It's a catchphrase, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, brave fighting lads are on the front, and their officers are back at home, you know, cheating on cheating on them with their wives, yeah. and stealing their money and all this kind of stuff. And you know, he spoke about you know like the Nazi high command having orgies in submarines and all this stuff, like really like over the top stuff to get home the point that you know, the Nazis are these depraved, horrible, corrupt people and all this. So he sort of, he, he combined this kind of, you know, the sensationalism of, you know, sex and violence with subverting, with appealing to people's inner pig dog, you know, you want to win the war, blah, blah, blah. But then he also used it to subversively attack the Nazis. You know what? Very clever. Now you've mentioned it. I really want to see a war where there's no guns, there's no knives, 
the only way that you can kill the enemy is with syphilis blood that you have to you have to you gotta run round you just gotta inject people. Oh my god. What no a game woman. would be up for that war. That sounds like such a difficult war. What a game of tag that would be. What a fucking game that would be. Holy shit. You're allowed maybe like a bow and arrow that you have to like Yeah, yeah, it, it'd lead to innovation, you know, like a multi barreled syphilis syringe gun. That you sort of <laughs> fire that scatters it across a wide area. It'd be like yeah. jackets of people like dressed like hedgehogs, but with little fucking syphilis. Just running into yeah, each other. And they yeah, just run around like people. ball into each other and melee and shit. I wanna watch that. Who doesn't want to watch that? Oh, mate. Set, that's, it, set it up. <laughs> so what sort of, like, articles? Did, I mean, did they print articles, Nazis? Yeah, well, they well, article... During the Second World War, there was this sort of propaganda battle between the the, the Nazis and, and the British, and then when the Americans come in, they had their own propaganda unit as well. And to be honest, most of the battling was done through radio because that was the... Then as now, you know, today, if, if you want to be a, a fake news... Uh, entrepreneur, let's, you know, the internet is what you use. You yeah, know, you yeah. use the latest technology. And back then, radio was the bee's knees. But that said, I mean, the the first, you know, here's a fun fact: the first air raid uh, conducted by Britain during the Second World War didn't drop bombs; it dropped pamphlets. Oh, right. This is September 1939. They dropped pamphlets over Germany, which were oh, propaganda pamphlets that, that said that said, well, they weren't that clever because they basically said. German people, Hitler will lead you into disaster. He's a bad guy. Please don't fight in the war. And and the problem with this, and this is this is true of fake news to this day, it has to it has to somehow speak to some kind of reality, even if it's a reality that's just in people's heads, even if it's just some constructed assumption. Yeah. But the the problem with some of the early propaganda efforts by the by the British was they kept saying you know Hitler's a bad guy and he's insane and all this you know and and if you're an average German looking around you go well hang on a minute he's reclaimed all these territories he's knocked yeah. off the French in six weeks um, we're sitting pretty the Russians aren't in the war yet the Americans aren't in the war yet we're doing pretty well thanks I think this guy might be all right. And and so and so none of it worked. And to be honest, I mean, it's very questionable if any of this propaganda worked during the war. That Germans obviously fought onto the bitter end. So the idea of this these propaganda efforts sort of subverting people, a lot of British propaganda, particularly towards the end of the war, and and the sort of fake news stories that they dropped were designed to undermine morale. So hold 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 on a yep. minute. So I've always been taught in school and stuff. That propaganda was exceptionally successful. It was like this. Inc it was like a super tool, and you're saying that actually didn't really work. Well, in the First World War, it was probably a bit more successful. Um, oh, are we talking ways. about was it successful in terms of keeping our morale up? Was that? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a different form of that's a different form of propaganda. So that's the the stuff so, on on the home front. I mean, again. That's debatable. I think the sort of school version of it is that, you know, everyone rallied behind Churchill yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And that's not necessarily well, true. this is it. The school um, version. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, so the last I heard of it yeah. was that uh, people were like, oh, good grief. Uh, you know, we're really, we, you know, we're really fond of this Churchill chap. But uh, tell you what, it's quite, oh, is that a poster? Oh, keep going. Yeah. Fans, I think I will. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, and it was no, as easy it was, as that. It, no, no. I mean, it was not as simple as that. And, you know, the the... 
a lot of a lot of the propaganda posters developed to boost morale here were just laughed off the walls. You know, people were just like bollocks. I'm not really I'm not listening to that. The one about know? the um, walls of ears one, I always thought yeah. was weird. Do you know what I mean? And it was like two women gossiping, having a coffee. And then there was like a dude in a Nazi uniform, just like, (laughs) oh, what's that? And you, what? You tell me you didn't notice fucking Hitler in the tea room. What the fuck are you on about? Sink ships and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard to assess propaganda, um, and I mean, it was easier here because we, 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 we've got data to suggest it, but the stuff that was put into Germany, it's really hard to assess how successful that was, A, because it was a lot more ambitious than the kind of let's just keep people's morale up propaganda yeah. that was being here, and B, because, you know, demonstrably it didn't have much of an effect, at least on, on a wide scale. Now, there might have been some instances where, you know, you might have gotten a, a couple of Wehrmacht soldiers to desert because they were scared because they because i mean particularly in the run-up to d-day you got they they were dropping because they drop fake newspapers yeah the the british would and um as well as these fake news radio stations broadcasting stuff saying oh you know the the russians have because because i mean these are these are german soldiers stationed on on the french coast they don't really know what's going on so you you send them propaganda saying you know the russians have broken through this and they're, they're coming to get you you know they're, they're right uh, behind you they've they've made it to berlin yeah. all this and stuff like that and there were a lot of stories in the run-up to d-day when the germans kind of knew it was coming they they really aggressive propaganda saying, you know, we're already there. There's already, you know, American commando groups sneaking into Wehrmacht barracks and slitting your throats while you sleep. Were they you know? scared of Russia the most then? Oh, yes. Were they? Yeah, wouldn't you be? No. I'd be scared of America more if I was German. Well, if you're, if you're looking at it through a Nazi lens, you'd be more scared of, of the Russians because they were, they, were the, um, they were the Untermenschen, they were the subhumans. Really? In the, well, in the way that the that the Nazi propaganda positioned them was that you know the Slavic peoples on the sort of ra- racial totem pole they're below the Anglo-Saxons, which is the British, the Americans. The Americans are are horrible because they're decadent and they're capitalists and all this kind of stuff. But the, but the these the, are barbarians and, and they're liberal. But the yes, that's that's the, the key barbarians. Term. They're the barbarians from the east. They're the hordes from the east, and that's how they were kind of depicted again in in the German propaganda that was anti-Soviet propaganda. They're not only, I mean, and on top of everything else, you know, the, there's the racial element. And there's also the, you know, they're 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 communists, you know, yeah, you know, they're the antithesis of Nazis. They sure things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these people, these people, you know, are, are, you know, they, they, fucking savages. The, sharing absolutely beyond the pale. So no, no, the the Germans were you know, absolutely terror. If you were a German soldier and you were told, and and you'd been, you know, living it up in occupied Paris, and you were told, right, you're off to you're off to fight on the Eastern Front, you would. Shit your pants. Yeah, completely. Do you know what? It's it's cra- I, I swear to God, because I quite like the idea of the second I quite like the idea of the Second <laughs> World War. <laughs> love me a Second World War. Love it. Who doesn't love a sequel? <laughs> um what I meant is that I quite like learning about it and stuff like that. But I swear that w- what you get taught in schools is literally not anything like what happened. So in my head, right, and I s- I, I wasn't thick in school, so but but this is knowledge that's sort of stuck around that I haven't really needed to access for a long time. But I swear I got taught at school that they were fighting on several fronts and it was really cold in Russia mm-hmm. and they were all dead cold and that's kind of why they lost because they were all really cold and stretched. <laughs> that's, I, well, it contributed. Yeah. But it, doesn't, like, it doesn't help. Oh, yeah, um, he's, he's so cold. Yeah. I cannot find my gun. He's, he's so cold. 
that in my head is kind of what happened. And then they were fighting on different fronts and they were stretched and then everything fucking collapsed. And then Churchill rolled it rode into Berlin on yeah. that big bus emblazoned with Union Jacks. Yeah, and then they looked up at the moon and there was a dude with fucking shitloads of flamingos and people with bat wings and shit. And they were like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> it's just not worth living. Um, but yeah, and then something happened with Belgium. I think it took longer to get through Belgium than was originally anticipated. I think I, I, I can somehow remember <laughs> something called the Schlieffen Plan that's being the first a fucking world thing. War. That's the first world. Fuck. War. Yeah, no, that's, it's that's all fine. around. Well, I mean, it's fine. You know, Belgium's in both. It, they they get they get you know mocked around by the Germans in both. <laughs> Do you know? I went to um, so when I was at school, we went to a school trip. Uh, we went to um, Eeps, uh yeah, and we went true. to like Flanders Fields and shit like that. And I was fifteen. And I could not have given less of a shit about Flanders. And we went right. So we went into the museum and then they went, you have to go in the museum. Uh, but then once you've finished in the museum, then you can spend the rest of the day doing what you want. Mm -hmm. And so age 15, what me and my mates did is we walked straight through the museum, did not look at a single thing, went straight out the door and then went to the supermarket and got wine and got pissed. <laughs> So we got pissed in Eeps in Belgium. Also, there was loads of chocolate shops as well. Yes. And they they Very gave nice us loads chocolate. of free things, and they were psyched that we were English. And we got told by our history teachers, and again, I think this is bollocks, but we got told that they really like English because of, like, war and shit like that, and they were more on our side. It's an oversimplification, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I've, I've been to Belgium several times, right? Okay, and I was going to say, have you ever gone back and been to that yeah, museum? So I've been to, oh, I've never gone back to the museum. <laughs> Fuck that shit. No. I've sooner got the park bench where I fucking threw up yeah, three yeah. euro wine. Uh, it wouldn't have been euros, it would have been francs. That's how long ago it was. Um, so I've, I've been back since. And I always find the Flemish side of Belgium fucking cool. And the French side of Belgium is full of cunts. Like, Brussels side dickheads mm -hmm. like bruges fucking incredible yeah, bruges antwerp is the, is the, genk yeah it's where it's, <laughs> that is fucking brilliant the fucking french bit oh dear lord the pricks do you know what i mean and as well i'm somebody yeah i've traveled all over europe so i'm somebody who, who genuinely tries to make an effort to ingratiate himself into the culture and the language and stuff like that i think it's important I am not somebody who goes into a fucking shop and is like, I am English, help mm, me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not that guy. I try. So, mm. but when you go to a fucking uh, thing in, you know, France or, or Brussels and you're like, un billet, s'il vous plaît? They look at you like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. look at you like, Spanish I don't place. know what you could yes. possibly yes. want. Yeah. And it's like, really? Re really? You're telling me at the train station, <laughs> and I'm asking for un billet, s'il vous plaît, you haven't got a fucking clue what that might mean, you prick. It's, it's the it's, eternal game. It's the eternal game that's played between French speakers and English speakers, where it's, you know, we know what you're saying, even if you're making a valiant attempt. Your accent's a little bit off. Yeah, it's not quite so, right. Sorry, not happening. Yeah, it's sorry, just, it's, man it's never going to change. It's never going to change that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun. It's sorry, a fun man game. from Preston. Yeah. You can't <laughs> properly. It's like I can barely speak English properly for fuck's sake. 
Oh, mate, it does my fucking tits in. <laughs> hey, do you know what's interesting? Um, so I used to be a teacher. There's a fact for you. I used to be an English teacher as well, right? So what we st- what started to build into the curriculum now is fake news. Mm. And uh, I used to devise little exercises for kids where I would give them fake news articles and real news articles, yep. and they would be able to tell which is which with about 95% accuracy. They That's were encouraging. Miles better. These are actual newspaper articles? These are like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's good. That's, that's encouraging because by and large, you know, there's... We're not very good at spotting fake news. I mean, this is more on online fake news is harder to spot. I did a similar similar thing with um uh, first year students at uni actually getting them to look at um uh, websites. You know, what's what's sus about this website? Is there anything sus about it? That sort of thing. And by and large, yeah, they're pretty good at that. But but I was teaching kids who could not spell Liverpool. Do you know? What I mean, like like thick. Sorry for want of a better term, but. Kids who are not academically capable, um, you know, yeah. kids who would struggle reading the newspaper article. Yeah. Uh, and they certainly wouldn't be able to do any sort of comprehension with it or anything like that. Not to a good degree, but they would know almost in- instinctively what is real and what is fake because yeah. they've grown up with it. They are native yeah. to this language in a way that we aren't. Yeah. So I might get tripped up every once in a while. They called it almost perfectly. Yeah, I think there's something in that. I mean, yeah, I, uh, my students are actually pretty bright by and large, to be honest. So, so they, I was, I was not overly surprised when they when they tweet this, and I did, I did sort of introduce kind of very, um, what's the word like sophisticated fake news websites, yeah. and yeah, they 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 do spot them, and I do wonder if there's something in that where because of their, you know. The, a generational thing they're more attuned to it but then there's a counter to that which is also that because we we teach a lot about sort of critical thinking skills yeah about the ability to to look at a source and go you know is that legit should i use that and that's something that i think if you want to talk about how to if there's a way to combat fake news and it's arguable that there is but that's where you start is with a basic a basic questioning of it um, and that's, I mean, that's that's something that's always been taught in universities. Interesting that they're now doing it in but schools. I'll say two things to that, right? The first thing is that you're teaching the top, let's say the top 5% of society or the top 10% mm-hmm. in terms of brains. And I'm pretty sure, although you might tell me otherwise, I'm pretty sure that fake news isn't designed to catch the really clever people it's designed to catch most people who are average or below average intelligence. Yes. So it's it's never about catching these people out because no. they're almost too smart to be caught out by it. Yes. And the second thing is that if you sit down and you say to me, listen, we are going to do an exercise right now called Guess Which News is Fake News, mm. then I switch on my hyper-analytical fucking sense. Do you know what I mean? And I don't have that throughout the day 24-7 because it's exhausting to fucking Mm. look at the world through that lens. Mm. But you can switch it on for an hour whilst you're doing an exercise or something like that. So a lot of times I think fake news catches you off guard. 
you're having a shit in the morning mm. and you have no and you don't have that hyper analytical lens on. Mm. You're just reading something to distract the feeling of poo falling out your anus. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like and so that got weirdly graphic, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> Do you know yeah. do you know why? Suddenly weirdly graphic. Yeah. <laughs> do you know why? It's because the other day I went into the toilet and I this is so weird that this is in my head. I went into the toilet and I forgot my phone. Um my phone was on my bed and I went into the toilet. I just sat on the toilet and pooed, and I hadn't done that in such a long time. Like I hadn't, I I, I always distract myself with something. Oh, to read. I see what you mean. And so I was just I sat there feeling poo come out of my bum, and I was like, "This is horrible." So I got some, I got the toothpaste, and I started reading the back of the toothpaste to distract myself from that thought. How mental that, is that? That is someone who is addicted to their phone. <laughs> that, that is that is like next level. Addiction that I can't yeah. even comprehend. Yeah, that, wow. The, the, the ingredients of toothpaste was very much my methadone to uh, wow. get me. Yeah, nuts. Absolutely fucking nuts. Damn. So, I mean, I would say that the generation that are coming through, the, uh, you know, the teenagers now, because they've grown up on it, they're fucking great yeah. at it. And what's weird is that I would ask them, like, how do you know that that's fake? How do you know? And they just knew. There was, there was something intrinsic about the language or the setup or the website or or a mixer mm. an amalgamation between all of those things that they could just go yeah th there's something not right in there yeah and again these are kids who aren't like you know gonna be you know some of them might not get a gcse in english mm. but they could do that no problem at all mm. so part of me does think that going forward that and maybe that is the case that when you're hyper exposed to something mm you become hyper resilient to it yeah that's one th that's one theory the, the the problem with that theory though is that the what really drives fake news is in many respects the the appeal to what we were talking about before like the confirmation bias and, and the fact that you might know that it's nonsense but you're still kind of brought along for the ride because it appeals to you to your instincts and that's the the real issue is that you could have all the critical thinking capacity in the world but if you come across a, a, a story that that you know gets the the inner pig dog yeah you know, yeah yeah at that point then you're going to your your critical thinking skills are going to be diminished if not completely out the window and you're going to be taken with it and that's the thing people who are developing fake news know that and so they, they work increasingly on that 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 level of trying to sort of get to the heart of what really makes people frightened or angry or what, you know, primal emotions. It's literally still how, it, still how it operates yeah, on the yeah. Inerus final Honda. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same principle. It's the same principle. It's, it's, it's a, it's a sort of, it's a fact of the human condition. It's just the way we're wired. And the danger is that when you get, you know, someone like Goebbels along who knows how to exploit that, yeah. that's when bad things happen. Who is the modern day Goebbels? I mean, well, you're not great with there's, modern day. There's, there's about twenty of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I mean, sounds I mean, bad. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's 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 like Roger Moore or something. Roger Moore? No, not Roger Moore. He was born, wasn't he? What's <laughs> 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 Roger Stone? Roger Stone. Roger fucking Moore. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Sean Connery. Yeah, is another yeah, bad yeah. One. Sean Connery. Yeah, he's, Piers Brosnan he's can fuck off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and I don't trust anything Daniel Craig they're, says. They're all. They're all. They're all in on it. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Roger Moore. Roger Stone. The um, no, I think you're thinking of Steve Bannon. Is the the one? Oh who was, yeah, he, he was, was the a, one who was kind of the the. Didn't he do Breitbart? Uh, yes, he's, all that stuff. Um, did you read Fire and Fury? No. 
Did you? I read. I read it. I, I can guess what was in there because it's every every column that had been written basically in the. I I, I read it and I, re- I I well I read it. I listened to it as an audio book, which is yeah. how I consume a lot of stuff because I'm driving all the time. But as I was reading it, I just remember thinking, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Yeah. Like if even a third of this is true, yeah. then my yeah. God, yeah. it it's won't be the last book of that type. There will just be we'll have decades of these books coming out. You reckon? Oh yeah, Fucking a lot of money man. to be made in that. Do you know what I think we are destined for decades of? I think we are destined for decades of movies about a mysterious virus. I think, yeah, I think we're going to get loads well. of it'll, those it'll take in. it'll take a while. We'll need a breathing space. Five years, five to ten years, kick in, and yeah. then it'll be mysterious virus time. Yeah, yeah. and it'll be. Yeah. Do you remember when there was a glut of vampire films? Yeah. It's going to be like that, like but that. oh god, there'll maybe, be maybe it'll get rid of zombie films. Maybe it'll finally. Oh, zombie films need to fuck off, don't they? Get played out, or they should make a zombie film that follows the same narrative as COVID. So what usually happens with most zombie yeah. films is that they, like, you think about, like, for example, I Am Legend, uh, they find a vaccine and that's the end. So what we need is we need a zombie film where they find a vaccine. And everyone goes, no, that's not yeah, a vaccine. Yeah, that's nah, a vaccine. I don't trust it. That'll make me into a zombie. No, that'll make me zombie. I don't want you tracking you my movements. Yeah, that's, that's, and so the that's whole, probably going to happen. The whole that film is, is just them happen. trying to convince them. Yeah. No, it is safe, yeah, honestly. No. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> before we uh, before we wrap up, by the way, and um, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to film a Piggoted Extra, which is just for our Patreons. And thank you, by the way, for everybody that has signed up to Patreon already. Uh, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Piggoted. Uh, and what happens is when you sign up to Patreon, you get loads of extra stuff. You get early release access to episode. You get access to the Discord servers where we get to talk about episodes and stuff. Stuff. Uh, there are extra episodes so you get to listen to Picketed Extra, which is extra content with our guests. There's merchandise options, there's discounts, there's loads and loads of good stuff. And it starts from three quid a month. And by signing up to the Patreon, what it means is that you are helping to support the podcast uh, and helping to cover the costs in terms of the uh, recording and the editing. And all of that stuff. So thank you, thank you to everybody that has signed up to be a patron so far. I'm genuinely blown away by all the people that have. Uh, and if you are enjoying the podcast, consider signing up because the more people we get, uh, the more that we can carry on creating great content. Before we get shooting, uh, Dr. James Crossland, is there anything that you want to plug? What do I have to plug? Um, When's your book coming out? Oh, that's not going to be till next year, I'm afraid. Oh, right. Okay. You have to get me back. 2022. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be 2022. Have you decided right, what the title is going to be? It's going to be called The Rise of Devils. The, oh, that is a great title. That is a fucking Well, it's actually, I'm, I'm, I'm ripping off the Pope. Because the Pope, the Pope <laughs> back in the, back in the eighteen eighteen seventies, the Pope said, you know, these 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 terrorists coming up, they're, they're, they're devils risen up from hell. So really? That sounds like a, the Pope. It sounds like a very Pope thing to it's, say. It's, that, it's, isn't it? I mean, he, he, he's suitably dramatic. Yeah. The devil's yeah. raising up from hell. Yeah, yeah. That was well. That was that was how fearful he was of all this. You know, he's really? A, yeah, yeah. Fucking so, hell! You know, people, re- revolutionists, insurrectionists. Do you know what? They said the same thing about heavy metal, though, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that turned out fine. 
So yeah. basically what you need to do is we need to give these terrorists uh, a, a bit of breathing space and they will come back in 20 years with some fucking banging albums. Um, right. Um, but otherwise, yeah, um, uh, follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Dr. J Crossland. Sweet. We're going to record Pigoted Extra. Uh, thank you very much for watching and listening. Hopefully subscribe if you are enjoying the podcast and we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. This episode of Pigoted is sponsored by Taylor's Toys. Taylor's Toys are a sex toy company. They specialize in doing high-quality sex toys that won't fall apart after one or two uses. Head over to taylorstoys.co.uk, check out the amazing range that they've got on offer, and if you use the discount code PIGOTED at checkout, you get yourself 10% off on all products. Taylor's Toys, spice things up in the bedroom. Thank me later.